Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling God? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter, at UndercoverGreg. Joined, as always, by my co-host and our podcast producer, at Alex, Alex Uplinger. Excuse me. Find his gambling picks and managing our podcast Twitter, at Full underscore Slate underscore Pod. Also, give him a follow on his personal account, at Alex underscore Up7. NFL Week. 14 as we run through the rotation giving our favorite sides and totals Alex good to have you aboard again gosh we're getting late in the year let's hope we end strong how you doing yeah we are I'm, I'm doing great I'm just a little sad at how the season always goes you wait so long and then before you know it it's already week 14 yeah no I know every year and you know it's funny especially given the COVID situation over the summer I kind of said to myself because that's probably when I was the most bored with, you know, summer vacations and different events that you would be looking forward to getting canceled. I said to myself, well, 
The NFL seems hell-bent on having a season. So let's just get to September, and then I know time's going to start flying fast because the NFL season always seems to fly by. Yeah, absolutely. I was looking forward to this a lot. And before you know it, we're already here. It just feels like there's a game almost every night now, and it's still not quite enough for me. Yeah, right? Monday night, Tuesday night, a Monday doubleheader, too, this week. Now, we're, we record just before Thursday night football as New England uh, plays the second of its two Los Angeles opponents uh, taking on the Rams on Thursday night football. And then, hey, tomorrow's Friday. That's always a little bit easier to uh, stomach. And we have college football tomorrow and Saturday as well to take us to the NFL Week 14. Let's get to the rotation now as we're going to jump in, as we normally do every week, and run through every uh, every game and just give some leans in either direction. And we're going to start in the AFC South, where we have a division race that is heating up pretty good between the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans. Indy gets a victory last week, uh, where, whereas the uh, Tennessee Titans uh, really get embarrassed by the Cleveland Browns. Indy survives late against Houston, so that ties things up with both teams at 8-4 and four heading into the final month of the regular season. We're seeing Tennessee, depending on where you shop, Bet Online has already gone to 9 on this game. Tennessee laying on the highway. Most books, I think you can still get 7.5, 8, 8.5. Uh, total in this game of 52.5. And, a half. and I, I'll just be quick here and say that uh, try and find an 8.5 or better that you can tease down because that's going to be my play here. I got 7.5 on the Titans tease down in a six point teaser to one and a half. That's where I think you ultimately go here. Uh, obviously uh, it's one of the higher totals this week. Neither one of these defenses is anything to write home about. Uh, but I do just think this is a get right opportunity for the Titans, namely the Titans defense, right? Going against Mike Lennon, who granted kept the Jaguars in that game all the way into late in overtime last week against Minnesota. It just feels, like an opportunity for a lackluster defense in Tennessee to make some plays and feel good about itself. We know that Tennessee always likes to ride Derrick Henry at this time of year, and the Jaguars' defense really should not provide much resistance with regard to uh, number 22 for Tennessee in the backfield. So when I consider this number and where it's at, again, as long as that teaser window is open for you to go down from 8.5 to inside 3, on the Titans. I think that's the move here. Really is just a game that they have to win. It's a division game too, which is the first tiebreaker now between Tennessee and Indy with them having split the head-to-head. So, you know, at this kind of number, we have seen the Jags, we're talking the eight and a half, nine. We've seen them be competitive and hang in games. Happened last week against Minnesota, the week before against Cleveland. So I wouldn't feel great uh, if you're just straight betting Tennessee, uh, I think the much better move here is to use the Titans in a teaser leg. Alex, how do you see this one in the AFC South? Yeah, the Jags have been quite frisky the last two weeks. They arguably could have beat both the Browns and the Vikings and right. maybe should have. The, the offense really keeps them in games where the defense can't stop anyone. And like you were saying, that rush defense leaves a lot to be desired. I think nine is a little too high. I definitely wouldn't touch the Titans. I like your angle of the teaser and that you got in earlier in the week. I don't even know if I would want to tease the Titans down right now to three, even though obviously they're the much better team. They should 
easily win and cover that number. But just seeing Jacksonville with Glennon and the offense has really kept them in games. They've been competitive these last two weeks. So. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because they just <laughs> fired the GM and we know it's a lame dog coach. So I keep waiting for Jacksonville to check out. All but right. for the most part, it hasn't been happening. So. Well, at I the end of the day, a lot of guys that yeah. are playing for jobs in 2021. Exactly. These are all still professionals. They still have pride to play for. And guys like Glennon are seizing the moment in their opportunity and they're playing for their next job. So guys like that are really just still playing full go despite being 1 in 11. So, uh, so it sounds like uh, nothing really that I would look to as far as a side or total. The only way I can play this game would be to include Tennessee in a teaser leg, which is what I would do if you can get a seven and a half, eight, eight and a half tease down below that key of three. Let's move forward and go to the AFC North, where we have, speaking of teams playing out the string like the Jaguars, the bottom feeders in the AFC North are the Cincinnati Bengals. They host the Dallas Cowboys, and Dallas also playing out the string in the NFC East. Uh, we're seeing Dallas laying three and a half on the highway, a total of 42 and a half in this game. Perhaps a little bit of an Andy Dalton revenge game uh, as he was moved, uh, let go by Cincinnati, although we kind of all saw it coming at the end of last season with the Bengals landing that number one pick. So normally you think revenge game, you think uh, – harsh feelings between the player and team on the way out, ugly exit, that type of stuff. Not sure that totally applies here, but it'll still be, I'm sure, a game that Andy Dalton wants to win going to Cincinnati. But at the same time, you really want to lay points with the Dallas Cowboys, especially greater than three, when we know that it's a Dallas defense that still can't stop a nosebleed. I mean, Leighton Vander Esch looked completely lost on that Lamar Jackson quarterback keeper for a touchdown on Tuesday night. And I realized that you know, there's a big step down from Lamar Jackson to Ryan Finley uh, as it looks like he's going to start for Cincinnati this week. But simply put, I just don't know that the Dallas defense can stop anybody. And so that's always going to leave that back door open. We did see Cincinnati cover through the back door earlier in the post-Burrow part of the season with Brandon Brandon Allen. And that was against a much better defense in the New York Giants. So I'm going to stay far away from this game. Obviously, I think Dallas is the side if you're going to play it, uh, but I kind of just gargle looking at laying over a field goal on the road with the Dallas Cowboys right now. So uh, I, I won't have anything here. <laughs> no, I'm not going to play anything here. This is that corner TV at the bar. You don't want anything oh, to absolutely. do with this. I, I don't want to watch this at all. The only way I would look was Dallas. I can't trust Finley at all. and. But then again, you can't trust this Dallas defense. I could see Cincinnati getting theirs as well. I'm going to stay far away from this one. So I guess it's fitting that we move on very quickly. Uh, let's stay in the Midwest where we have the Chicago Bears hosting the Houston Texans. And this game is more intriguing to me, even though we have a 4-8 and eight Houston team traveling to a 5-7 and seven Chicago team. There's a couple of different angles that I want to get at here. We're seeing Houston as one, one-and-a-half-point chalk as we move along in rotation order. Total of 45 in this game. Uh, and I got Houston at Pickham earlier, and if you can still get that, I would highly recommend it. Because this is actually, uh, I know we normally think of revenge games as, uh, you know, player let go by another team and, How's he going to respond like we talked about with Andy Dalton? 
This is actually a Deshaun Watson revenge game, not in the sense that you'd think of it, though. This is going to be his first time facing the Chicago Bears since the 2017 draft when we saw the Bears uh, take Mitch Trubisky number two overall. Of course, these two teams being in opposite conferences, meaning they only play every four years. So this is the first time that the AFC South is playing the NFC North since that 2017 draft. And so we're seeing Watson. I, I think that's something to look at here with, you know, him getting a chance to really stick it to the Bears for the first time in his career. And also, you have two teams that are both not going to be in the playoffs. And anytime you have those kinds of teams late in the year, you want to try and find motivational advantages. And so that's one I think that Houston has. And Houston has been playing with an inner, excuse me, an interim head coach for a while as Bill O'Brien was fired months ago now in Houston. And it sounds like Romeo Cornell has the locker room, right? They won on Thanksgiving in Detroit. They went right down to the wire, even without Will Fuller against Indianapolis last week. And I think they're playing hard for him. And we heard Jim Nance in the Thanksgiving broadcast. I remember I, I took this to heart because it's just something that, to me, is a bet-on type of uh, factor. He mentioned that Romeo Cornell was just so happy to get one last chance, given his advanced age, at being a head coach, even though it was for an interim basis. So I think there's things that make me think that the Texans are still going to play hard, despite their 4-8 and straight-up record. And as I said, even without Will Fuller against a good indie defense, they're right in that game. I had them last week, and it was a loser, but they turned the ball over in the red zone. Otherwise, they might have had a chance to win that game outright. Uh, and then let's look at the Chicago side, right? The defense gives up 34 last week and blows a 10-point lead against Detroit. And that is potentially, uh, you know, a dream crusher. Not that they were going to make the playoffs anyway. I think we all kind of saw through their hot start. But now they're 5-7. and seven. Even if you win out, you'd have to get lucky with some tiebreakers. I don't see Chicago making the playoffs now. I don't think many people do. So... I can only look to the Houston side here. Having said that, now that we're seeing the number tick out to about one and a half, the teaser window has opened up on Chicago, and I do think I'm going to use the Bears in a six-point teaser. Getting them up over seven uh, to seven and a half would be ideal for me here because I do think that this defense probably is a little embarrassed off of how it how that game ended against Detroit, and therefore I think this game still is decided by less than a touchdown, and the defense for Chicago will keep the Bears in the game. Ultimately, though, close game, fourth quarter, give me the much better quarterback into Sean Watson over Mitch Trubisky. So I'll play the Texans at Pickham, or if you can get one, great. But once you start getting to one and a half, if you want to use the Bears in a teaser leg, that's what I'll be doing as well. So I'll get a piece of both sides here. I think that's a good look. It provides you quite the middle there. I, I agree. I think I would tease the Bears and probably add in Washington, get them up to nine sure. points. I think that'll be a close game as well. I'm going to play the over here. I feel like the Bears are just completely defeated. Six-game losing streak. The defense really was great at the beginning of the year. They've been bad the last couple of weeks. They've allowed – 31.3 points per game over their last three. I just feel like they're they're kind of defeated. And these are two decent passing attacks despite no fuller. The Texans still are coming out there. They're playing hard. You saw how defeated Watson was at the end of that indie game. So you know he still, he still cares a great deal. So I think they're going to come play out hard. And their defense, they're just – they're really bad. Houston allows – 
26.9 points per game. Their defense can't really stop anyone. And Trubisky hasn't been bad. He's looked, yeah. he's looked pretty yeah. decent in his two starts. He, four touchdowns. Who would have thought the Chicago Bears and Mitch Trubisky are an over team? <laughs> I wouldn't have thought it with Foles, which is surprising because I thought he was a much more efficient quarterback than Trubisky was. But Trubisky looks like he's he's fighting for his life. He's got four touchdowns and two interceptions in his two starts. And uh, these are two of the worst rushing attacks in the NFL, so I think they're going to be airing the ball out. 45 just feels a little low for any sort of Deshaun Watson game, despite losing yeah. the best weapon. I, I think this I think this can definitely go over the total. I could see a, see a 27-24 type of win for the Texans, which would – which would hit all. We'd of all hit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think. I think <laughs> yeah. No. I think that's five. a good look. And you mentioned it, right? Like Deshaun Watson's such an explosive playmaker. Like he can kind of make you make beat you for a, a 75, 80 yard play with his legs or through the air, even to Brandon Cooks. So, yeah, I, I think that you know when you can have a player like that that's capable of putting points up that quickly, and you're talking about a total in the mid 40s. Uh, it is uh, low enough to look at the over for sure. Yeah, just looking at the Texans' last three games, they've all gone over 45. Even last week against a stingy Colts defense, that was 46. The week before it was was 41-25 win over the Lions, and then they beat the Patriots 27-20 at home. And the Patriots don't don't score at a high clip, but they were even able to put up 20 on this Texans defense. So I'd I think that's a good look to go over the total. One last thing here that I'll mention. I mentioned Romeo Cornell being the interim head coach for Houston and how he kind of still has that locker room and it's kind of a a loose bunch that is just enjoying playing for him despite not a whole lot being on the line for Houston. We're starting to hear some rumblings about Matt Nagy in Chicago. And, you know, there's already – Jason Lothcamphora had a report last weekend that – uh, Matt, uh, excuse me, Northwestern's Pat Fitzgerald could be a top target for that job. Of course, that's right in the backyard of the Bears. So anytime you start hearing that, and now they're out of the playoff mix, uh, I'd be worried uh, if I were a Bears fan that, you know, this just is the ultimate death blow uh, to their season when they lose this game to a 4-8 and eight Texas team. It's just uh, I think things are going pretty south pretty quickly there. Yeah, I think the I think the nail in the coffin was last week. Their sixth straight loss, and you give up that. Yeah, they're up double digits, like seven minutes left on the Lions. Yeah, I I counted that dead. I had the Lions in a couple parlays and straight up, so that was a nice result there. Yeah, I did as well. That was one of my favorite bets of the week. Let's stay in the NFC North where we have the Minnesota Vikings traveling down south to Tampa Bay. This is the best game in the early window, and it's a massive one for the NFC playoff picture. We're seeing Minnesota be six-and-a-half-point road underdogs, total in this game of 52-and-a-half. And I don't have a whole lot here other than you know, Minnesota, we talked about them last week, and I lost laying the points with the Vikings last week, but they have won now five out of six straight up, and since that one in five start, they have been completely rejuvenated, and they are in this wild card hunt very much so at six and six. And a matter of fact, if they can pull the upset here, the Vikings would go ahead of the Bucks in the NFC playoff picture by virtue of the head-to-head tiebreak. So this is a massive game for both teams. And the Bucks, on the other hand, they're coming out of their bye, and 
I, I guess it, this late in the season, old man Brady probably could use some time off, and now he's back. <laughs> um, and having said that, before the bye, Tampa, I think, had really regressed. I mean, it started with that just blowout that the Bucks took at the hands of the New Orleans Saints in Sunday Night Football, and they lost a the game at home. I know it's the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, but they lost that game as well. And listen, we're, we were treating the Bucks, everybody was, as Super Bowl contenders, and now here they are at 7-5, and five, and, you know, it's a team that the Rams went in there and beat them on a Monday night game. It's a team that I just think is more good than great, uh, and I, I think this is a little expensive at 6.5. I'm not running to take Minnesota because the Vikings – the last couple of weeks have played down to teams' levels, Carolina and Jacksonville. At the same time, though, now they're in that touchdown underdog role where they've been touchdown chalk, you know, last week and greater than a field goal chalk against Carolina. So I think it's a different role for the Vikings. And um, for that reason, I would probably lean to the Minnesota side, but only a lean. I just think this is kind of expensive. Everybody kind of – the books are kind of seeing Tampa – coming off of a buy and kind of overpricing that a little, knowing that this is going to probably be a team that a lot of people gravitate to. Uh, gosh, Alex, you got to think the Bucks are in every teaser this week, right? Oh, absolutely. To get them down to just have to win the game, I think that'll be right. a massive liability for the Bucks. And I, I don't think that's a bad look. I think the only way I would look here is the Bucks a week to prepare and get right. You know Tom Brady needs that rest, like you were saying. This old guy. And then this game, 425, that's prime. That's prime old folks' hours. This is perfect time for him. No, no this is no 125. Way. Oh, this is a 125. Or 1 o'clock game. Yeah, okay. this is the best game right. in the early window. Even better. Even better. That Even it, better. Yeah. That it's earlier <laughs> in the day. This, Yeah, 425, he might be going through his routine for bed soon. So, even better. I think I think he'll wake up. Tom Brady, he's thirty four and twelve against the spread coming off a straight up loss. So they lost to the Chiefs and then they had a nice bye week to rest. I think the only way to look here is the box. I think they'll be well rested. I think they'll get some pieces back. Looks like Godwin should play. He's not practicing because he's still recovering from getting the pins I out of his like finger. I feel like Godwin's one of those guys that's like limited, limited, limited out, limited, limited, limited out, you know. And right. Come the end of the season, he'll have missed maybe two or three games and then played in another two or three that where he was like a game-time decision. <laughs> right. It's tough to gauge his, his playing. I think I think that they'll bounce back. I, I like the Bucks in the spot. Nothing official for me, but that's the only way I would look here. So a little disagreement there, but again, my lean is only a lean on Minnesota. I probably will not have anything on the game. I think it's more one very intrigued to watch it. Uh, not as intrigued to bet it. Let's stay in the state of Florida where we have the Miami Dolphins, rotation number 166, hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we're seeing Kansas City land some pretty hefty lumber on the road. Seven and a half is the point spread uh, pretty much at every shop available to win this game of 50.5. And when we look at Kansas City, you know, Alex, I think there's something to be said for, you know, the defending Super Bowl champs uh, and, you know, Super Bowl favorites for this year just pricing themselves out of the 
marketplace a little bit to the point where, you know, it, as gamblers, we don't really want a piece of the Chiefs right now. As crazy as that sounds, they've not covered four straight games. Uh, you know, that dates all the way back to November the 8th, winning by two points against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, game I had them in and lost on uh, was the Raiders game. I thought that was a ripe revenge spot, and, and the Raiders keep that game within a score and nearly win it outright at the end there. Uh, now, granted, a game that Kansas City should have covered uh, two weeks ago against Tampa, they were ahead by a lot early in that game, and Tampa made it interesting. Ultimately, Kansas City wins 27-24, but Tampa was catching three and the hook in that one. And then, obviously, kind of just a going-through-the-motions game on Sunday Night Football last week against the Denver Broncos was an easy cover if you had the Broncos catching almost two touchdowns. So, having said all of that, Kansas City's getting expensive. And, listen, I know Miami, you know, Tua, Ryan Fitzpatrick, whoever, like, there's certainly a little bit of uh, fool's gold, I think, behind the numbers for the Dolphins. They've scored a lot of defensive touchdowns and special teams stuff going on there. So, I don't know that I love the Dolphins getting the points, but... I just think that the betting markets in a big way have caught up to the Chiefs, so I can't run to back them here either. How do you see this one in South Beach? It's tough to get to the window with the Chiefs here against a strong Miami defense. I feel like they'll really game plan against the Chiefs. I was leaning to the Dolphins, especially you get touchdown and the hook. That feels a little high. Like you are saying, the Chiefs are kind of getting priced out here the last – several weeks, and that comes with the territory of being arguably right. the best offense in the league. They just they can't stop the run, but also Miami doesn't run the ball all that well, so I don't see how they can take advantage of that. But I think they can keep this close. This feels like a game that the Chiefs just kind of want to get in, get out, especially coming off a of nail-biter last week. They barely, barely beat the Broncos there. So I think they'll just want to get in there, get the win, and just keep it moving with going for the number one seed in the AFC. I think this will be close. I, I could see Miami covering, but I'm not going to get there ultimately. Alex, one last thing on Miami. I looked at this yesterday. Last four games for the Dolphins, they're 8-4 and four right now. They host Kansas City. They host New England, who already beat them. They travel to Vegas to take on the Raiders, and they travel to Buffalo. That is a pretty challenging last four games. You think they're going to hang on and make the playoffs? I do think they'll make the playoffs, but that is a tough stretch. Really depends what what does Buffalo have to play for in that yeah, last game. I, point. Yeah. I think they can. I think they can best the Patriots. I think they could. I think they could beat the Raiders in a close one. I don't think they'll win this week, but I think it'll be close. And I That's don't think you need ten to feel safe. And if we don't think they're going to win this game, then they got to win two out of home New England, uh, which I at think Raiders they at Bills. I think they'll get the Patriots. The Raiders are feisty, especially on the road. That's a tough one traveling across the country. I think they ultimately could win that, or it depends. Is if Buffalo, the Bills play down. Yeah, do, yeah. The, do the Bills have anything to play for? If not, Miami probably wins that one, and then the sure. Raiders game is kind of null at that point. 
Let's wrap up the early window and go up to the northeast where we have the New York football giants hosting the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, if you're listening and this game is back on the board and you were expecting us to go in rotation order, well, that's because when we record right now, the game is not up pretty much everywhere. I think the books are just waiting for Daniel Jones to officially get the thumbs up under center for Big Blue as it appears as if the Duke product is set to return as the giant signal caller. Um, And Alex, I mentioned to you, I was texting you earlier in the week, so we don't have an official number or a total to speak of at this point right now. I did see some two and a halves out there earlier in the week on Arizona when this line opened. So I'm curious to see where it pops back up come the end of the week. Uh, And Alex, I had texted you earlier in the week. I was interested in the Giants just thinking, gosh, I don't think Arizona should be road chalk here because Arizona starting to slip up a bit and the playoff hopes starting to dwindle out there in the desert. That loss against the Rams last week really didn't look that good. You know, Kyler Murray threw a bad pick six. And I know he says he's fine and, you know, he's playing. But until we see a vintage Kyler Murray game again, I'm going to continue to think that that shoulder is an issue. They lost a close game against the Patriots that they should have won in Foxborough two weeks ago. The week before that, close game, they lose to Seattle. So they've lost three in a row. It doesn't seem like a team that should be road chalk against the Giants team that's all of a sudden surging and looking like the favorite in the NFC East having already beaten the Washington football team twice. And so from that angle alone, I just have to think that this is a Giants defense that has been playing well all season. And now they've won four straight games and just went to Seattle and beat the Seattle Seahawks as a double-digit underdog with Colt McCoy. Like, there's a lot going for this Giants team right now. Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, is a name we're going to hear probably come January when the coaching carousel starts to spin in the National Football League. And so for that reason, I was thinking, oh, this is an easy Giants spot here. But I want to give a shout out to Ralph Michaels at Cal Sports LV on Twitter. I saw he gave out this trend, which was one that I thought made sense, which kind of scares me off the Giants as far as using them just straight up against the spread. Um, Teams that are an underdog the week after pulling an outright upset as a double-digit dog, 7-21 against the spread the last 28 instances. So I think that goes to show that the markets normally have a good feel on these teams, and if they're not buying the double-digit outright win as a dog the week prior, normally the markets are more often right than wrong. So for that reason, I think rather than just take the Giants plus the short number, or on the money line to win the game, I think I'm going to look to the Giants in a teaser as well uh, and look to get them up over the touchdown. Uh, I think that probably is my move on this game, uh, and I'm probably going to mention the Bears as a good teaser leg earlier. I think getting both the Giants and the Bears up over a touchdown is a good teaser. Yeah, that's a good look. The Cardinals are free-falling right now. I'm I'm the biggest Cardinals fan, you know. That's why this line kind of just weirds me out, though. It's like, it well, they're very a mess, and the Giants are looking great, and the Cardinals are favored on the road? Right. Doesn't it, it feels like a good bounce-back spot, just with the Cardinals coming off a bad loss and the Giants coming off a massive win, especially 
to get that win, which no one expected. It keeps them in first in the NFC East. But the Cardinals just, they haven't been the same. I think Murray is more injured than they're letting on. That's also why I like the Giants in a teaser leg, because if you think Murray is hurt and more hurt than they're letting on, then where's the margin coming from here from Arizona? Maybe they win. I just don't think they win by more than a touchdown. No, absolutely not. I I was looking initially at the Giants plus 2.5, which I saw this opened. But it right. does it, it feels like a game that the, the Cardinals should win, but this Giants defense has been really strong. They're ninth in the NFL in average points per game and in their last three they've only given up fifteen point three points per game. Murray is definitely more hurt. If if they didn't win that Buffalo game on the Hail Mary, they'd be on a five game losing streak. Right. And Murray's just not the same. He he only has sixty one yards on 15 carries in their last three games. He has five carries in each of those games. So the Cardinals, they're 6-2 and two when Murray has six or more rush attempts, which he hasn't done in the last three games. And that just feels like he's not running the ball as much because he's not feeling that well. So he's not as explosive. He doesn't want to take on any sort of contact. So he's not really looking for those plays to get out of the pocket and run. I think the Giants are a good look. I'm more so looking at the under. The Giants have been really strong. And then you have you have James Bradbury on Hopkins. He could easily shut down Hopkins. He's one of the better corners yeah. in the NFL. I think he's really strong and right behind Ramsey is one of the better shutdown corners. So I, I could see the Giants win this. I think the teaser is a way better look. But I'm going to look to the under when this – comes back on the board I'd really like the under here I don't I'm not that confident in the Giants offense with or without Jones so I think I would look to the under yeah and I think that also speaks to the Murray injury factor you know if uh, you like the under then you're obviously betting against the Giants offense that even despite their winning the Giants have been winning because of their defense so you couple the fact that this is a Below average Giants offense, obviously, that definitely misses Saquon Barkley uh, with a Cardinals offense that, you know, we're again expecting to be hampered by this Murray thing. Doesn't this Murray shoulder thing just feel like come January, February, whenever the season ends for them, we hear, oh, now Kyler's going under the knife? Yeah, I could definitely see him getting surgery at the end of the year. I mean, this is a nagging injury, you know, something that doesn't keep him out of games necessarily and he's playing through it but he definitely does not look like himself since that Buffalo game let's take a break and we'll come back and get into the late window of action football is back in full swing you might not be at a game this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you have every possible chance to win this season from game threads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins division and championship futures all day every day head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses don't forget to use the promo code bluewire at betonline.ag that's bluewire all one word bet online you're online sportsbook experts 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged 
to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the United States are visiting Indeed each month. According to Comscore, that's by total visits. So it's clear that Indeed can get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide are using Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Joined by our producer and co-host, Alex Uplinger. Find him managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod and find his personal account at Alex underscore up seven. We're running through NFL week 14 and Alex, now that we don't have any teams out of the bye, we're going to get into the late window of games. We're going to have a tasty window of late afternoon games, how it should be. Yeah, I love it. Not the best matchups, but we'll definitely yeah, by find t- some value yeah, quantity, not quality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like quantity over quality at times. We'll, we'll definitely find some value here for sure. And we do have one of the better games, which we'll get started with here, a massive game for playoff positioning. It's the Indianapolis Colts traveling to Sin City to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. And we're seeing Indianapolis laying two and a half on the highway, a uh, total of 50 and a half in this game. Uh, not a ton here for me, but gosh, doesn't it just feel like every Colts game is in this Colts short favorite role of pick them to minus four, something like that? Yeah, I can't remember the last time they were significant favorites. Maybe against the Titans they were over a field goal. I think they might have been four, four and a half. In right, one of those. and that wasn't, you know, this clear layup favorite type role. No, all these games they they seem to be short favorites, and they all are relatively close. Last week I think they closed around two and a half, and then Houston had a chance to win in. That, yeah, I know. That you were all, right all over the Colts. And I, was I was. And that <laughs> went right down to the wire. Oh, man. That was brutal. I, I consider that one a loss along with the Lions, so that was going to be brutal. And there then they both, they both lucked <laughs> well, out Those there. are the ones you remember when you're on the wrong end of a bad beat. Oh, absolutely. So I don't have a ton here other than, I mean, yes, the Raiders, gosh, I would not want a piece of them right now. I just don't like the way they're trending they needed a Greg Williams tank job last week to beat the Jets. And we saw the Atlanta Falcons just pummel them. So, you know, and that's two teams that are going to be hitting the golf course in a month. So, you know, now it's a Colts team that's in the thick of a division race. 
you know, I definitely would lean Indy here. Uh, and at the same time, you know, you mentioned it right down to the wire last week against the Texans team that we all kind of didn't think. I mean, I'm a little higher on Houston playing out the string here, but at the same time, not a lot to play for from the Texans side in that game. And Indy really couldn't put them away. So that kind of makes me just want to sit this one out. How do you see this one, Alex? I'm going to ultimately sit this one out as well, but I was looking at the Raiders early in the week at plus three. I know Phil Rivers is dealing with some turf toe, which is a brutal injury for a quarterback. Every step he takes, every time he plants a throw, that's got to be excruciating pain. Looks like Josh Jacobs was limited in practice today with the ankle injury. If he could come back, that would be a huge boost. But then again, the Colts defense is really strong up front. DeForest Buckner, he's a force in there. That was a great pickup from them from San Francisco. They really are strong against the run. I would lean the Raiders. I just don't love this indie offense despite how much I liked sure. them last week. That was more so a play against the Houston defense, which came right. through. They put up 20-some points, and they look pretty good. But Rivers just doesn't really instill confidence, especially when you have this older quarterback dealing with a, a toe injury, and the mobility is already <laughs> not there. So I'm, right. I'm just, I just can't be very confident in that offense. I, I wouldn't need Raiders here, but probably going to stay away. Let's stay on the West Coast and go up to the Pacific Northwest where we have the New York Jets traveling out West to take on the Seattle Seahawks. Obviously, big favorite role here for Seattle, 13.5. Worth noting, though, total of 47 in this game. Worth noting that this look-ahead number was up over 15. I think it was 15.5. And, and we did see an adjustment for the Jets and their performance against the Raiders you know, Alex, I'm not going to have a play on this game, but I do think it's worth noting that as we get towards the end of the season here, the Avoido and 16 element, at least for the Jets players, the ones that are between the lines, I think that's there's something to that because we've seen them now regularly be playing hard, right? They should have beaten New England on Monday Night Football. Uh, obviously, last week goes right down to the wire against the Raiders, um, and I don't believe they – or no, they did cover – at the L.A. Chargers as well. So they've been covering some numbers here. And basically, in the NFL, if you're going to get NFL players playing with regular, you know, what's the word? Like juju and just energy, really? I guess I'm looking for. Yeah, like energy, energy. This kind of a number, like, you're going to start covering them, as bad as your team might be. And that's what we've seen with the Jets. You know, and, and for Seattle, you know, obviously they'll know when the game kicks off what the Rams have done. So maybe if the Rams win, that makes Seattle more likely to kind of uh, bludgeon up on the uh, on the Jets. And if the Rams lose on Thursday night, maybe maybe the Seahawks then are, are a little fat and happy. I'm not really sure, but they did just lose to the Giants. So I would think that they're kind of on notice here. I just don't have much here that I like. Seattle has looked more good as opposed to great the last few weeks, and I, I need a great team if I'm going to swallow this amount of points. It would be Jets or pass for me, but I'll probably pass. Yeah, I think 
Seattle, regardless of what happens with the Rams, I think they need to have their foot fully on the gas here. They've been embarrassing. They're two and five against the spread since returning from their week six bye. They've really looked bad. Right. Russell Wilson, I just can't believe the the fall. He was the clear cut MVP favorite at one point. Now he's yeah. he's looking yeah. at plus two thousand on DraftKings. Right. I, mean, I think at some point he was up around like plus one fifty. He was right. Yeah. He was really right. he was really going off for several weeks. This is definitely Jets are pass as gross as that is. This is a plug your nose. I I don't think I'll get there, but since last year, road dogs off a loss are eighty fifty four and five. This number just feels way too high right now. The Seattle defense has been playing better, but to see how much they struggled against the Giants, granted that's a solid offense or defense, but they're not great by any means. To see such a strong offense struggle that much, they only put up twelve points. I just can't. I can't back them at all right now. It, it would be it would be Jets or pass for me as well. Let's go to the Motor City where we have the Detroit Lions hosting the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Green Bay off of that victory over Philadelphia last week. Detroit with a win and cover, obviously, as the short dog against the Chicago Bears last week. We're seeing Green Bay laying nine, eight and a half, depending on where, where you shop. Uh, total of 55 in this game. Alex, I won't have a lot here because I do think that there could be something. I, I, we talked about the interim coaches thing in the first game last week with Detroit. That's now 3-0 and this year, straight up and against the spread. Probably will finish that way. I can't imagine any other coach gets fired before the end of the season. But, uh, you know, it is a Lions team that we all know the players didn't really like Matt Patricia, and Daryl Bevel seems to be a pretty well-liked guy and, and, a, and a guy that has the support of the locker room. And maybe there could be some staying power. As I mentioned, we've seen Houston really ever since the Bill O'Brien fire, excuse me, being a football team. So I think that's what we could get with Detroit. You texted me earlier in this week, got to keep an eye on Kenny Galladay and DeAndre Swift and their practice reports as the week progresses. Um, And Green Bay, I mean, let's just be honest. They were lucky to cover last week. Front door cover with Aaron Jones on that long touchdown run against the Eagles. Watched most of that game as an Eagles fan. Wasn't that impressed with Green Bay. And obviously this time of year, we talked about it with Kansas City. Any team that's in Super Bowl contention, you're going to be forced to lay a big number with. I can't get there with Detroit, with Green Bay. Excuse me. Probably not looking to Detroit either, though, despite the fact that divisional home underdogs have been a good bet most of the season. There were a couple divisional home dogs last week that failed to cover uh, in Arizona and Houston. So, you know, maybe that trend is fading. Uh, ultimately, I probably won't have much here. I will say this. Detroit certainly looks like an over team because we know that even last week against a Bears defense, they scored 34 points, and that's without Kenny Galladay and DeAndre Swift. We know that this is a Green Bay defense that has struggled to stop the run at various times this year, and it's a Detroit defense that really can't stop anybody. I know this is a high total, but if I had to make a play on the game, I would probably go over, but again, probably one that I'll sit out. Highest total on the board, it seems. 55, that is quite high and rightfully so I was initially looking at Detroit I like the divisional home dog angle but Aaron Rodgers is just 
so damn good against the NFC North. He's 45 and 26 against the spread against the North. It's just really tough to step in front of Rodgers, especially. And by the way, I think another angle that makes, and I had Minnesota in this game, but another angle that makes me a little hesitant on the Detroit side, the last time Aaron Rodgers lost the divisional game, it was earlier this season against Minnesota, when the, and that started the Vikings' rally back from 1-5. and five. They went to Lambeau and won. So, you know, they've already lost outright as touchdown chalk in a divisional game. Not sure that happens again. No, they do seem to play down to their competition, though. They were yeah. struggling to cover for a couple weeks until last week they ran into the Eagles, and then the week before that they handled the Bears convincingly. But the first go-around, I know we both like the Lions, and Packers just blew them out there, 42-21. to 21. This is a bigger line than we saw in that first game, but I still don't think I could I could get to either side here. Well, let's keep things moving as we roll through the late afternoon window. The Atlanta Falcons, two-and-a-half-point road chalk at the L.A. Chargers. Total in this game of 49-and-a-half. You know, and gosh, talking about an overreaction, I'm not saying I'm running to take the Chargers here, but we see the Chargers lose 45 to nothing last week to New England, and now they're close to field goal home dogs against a lowly Atlanta team. That just feels a little weird to look at, but as I said, I'm not running to back the Chargers side. My better angle here, I'm going to go over the total of uh, 49, 49 and a half. I got in as I'm looking right now. I got in at 49. I just think it's a nice spot with a little bit of a suppressed total in a Chargers game and we've because of what happened last week where they got shut out. Let's not forget Justin Herbert was in the driver's seat for the offensive rookie. Most Justin Jefferson making a big big push here. Alex, would you uh, say Justin Jefferson has surpassed Herbert as the, your offensive rookie of the year? I sure hope so. I'm, I'm holding a Justin Jefferson ticket. I think it was 11 to one before. Oh wow! Season started. Just something small, but I I really liked the draft pick a lot. I, I can't believe the didn't the Eagles pass on him for Raiders. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we get reminded about it every one week of, on Eagles. One of the many solid Howie Roseman draft picks. Right. So point being, Justin Herbert prior to that game against the Patriots was zinging the ball over the field and putting up 30 points a week. And so now he he faces an Atlanta team that we know really can't stop anybody. Defense has been a problem for the Falcons all season, and we got a total of under 50. You know, it just feels like a great get-right spot for Herbert. Then we look at the other side of the ball, and the Chargers have been getting gashed on the ground all year. And New England certainly had its way with the run game last week because we know that's basically what the Patriots do as far as, you know, run, run, run whether it's Cam or the backs, like, it didn't seem to matter on the ground last week. And so if you're, if you're telling me that Atlanta's going to be able to run the ball and they're going to be able to throw out Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones on the outside, then I got to think Atlanta's going to get its fair share here too. I think this is the winner of this game ends up scoring, say, 35 points, and, and we're going to get over this total pretty comfortably. Atlanta, Chargers over 49 for me here. I like that play. I would I would lean Falcons. I think over is the stronger play. I just I can't back Anthony Lynn 
at all. I, I think you fade Anthony Lynn until he proves otherwise, especially sure. a number like this, such a such a close number. We see the, char- the Chargers consistently lose close games, so I would, I would say just take the money line or take the Falcons. There's no way that the Chargers keep it within the number. They're, they're going to win or they're going to get crushed. They're, the Chargers, right. their, their wins have they've come against the Jets, the Jags, and the Bengals in Joe Burrow's first career start. And those teams are 3-32, and and they have a minus 345-point differential. So they've only beat some of the absolute worst teams in the entire league, which they've looked competitive in several of these games. We saw them look good against the Saints. We saw them look good against the Chiefs. It took a took a field goal from Butker twice there at the end to beat them. I just would not run to back the Chargers against pretty much anyone. I think the overs <laughs> I think the overs a, a great look. The Chargers they've given up twenty seven or more points in nine straight games. That's that's really <laughs> it's hard to do. I know I know teams are scoring at quite the clip in the NFL this season, but their defense just is abysmal. They they trade away Desmond King, their best cornerback, and yeah, I just I could not back the Chargers here. I think I would look over with you or I would just pass. Let's go cross country from LA to Philly where we have the Philadelphia Eagles rotation number one seven four getting seven at home total in this game of 43 as they welcome in the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and obviously this is going to be the debut for Jalen Hurts, making his first start as a Philadelphia Eagle. And the New Orleans Saints, on the other hand, looking to lock up that number one seed in the NFC uh, playoff picture. That's something that is going to probably come down to the last week of the season. Uh, but I think the more... The better angle here, I'm listen. I can't, I can't touch the Eagles. Uh, having watched them as an Eagles fan, like it just they just look so out of sorts offensively. I don't know what's going going on, and maybe the Jalen Hurts thing is a bit of a spark. But I'm not buying that we're going to see a brand new. You know, all of a sudden now the Eagles offense has got a jolt of energy. People were saying that last week just based on how Hurts performed in garbage time against the Packers, but that's just it. It was garbage time. Green Bay was up by three scores. Okay, on a fourth and 18, he throws the ball up to Greg Ward, who comes down with it. And it was a nice throw for a touchdown, but I just think that was more the Packers kind of tapping out of the game to a degree than it was anything Hurts did. Not to take anything away from Hurts, he was thrown right into the fire there. But I think for that reason, you're going to see Doug Peterson want to try and establish a running game. He should have been doing it more with Carson Wentz because we saw that Wentz's confidence was just shot. And for whatever reason, it wasn't happening. I have to think that they at least attempt to run the football more, but this is one of the best run defenses in the National Football League in New Orleans. So I'm not sure how much success the Eagles are going to have on the ground. I just think early on that's going to at least be a point of emphasis, whether it is Miles Sanders or some designed runs for Hertz. And then let's look at the Saints. This just this is just an under team. I mean, even before Breeze went out, they had gone under five straight games. You know, so as I said, that dates back to before Breeze's injury. We've seen the Saints now 
back-to-back seasons without Breeze have success, and it hasn't mattered. The quarterback, Bridgewater, Taysom Hill, because they just run the ball, pound the rock, and they have a very good defense that is rounding into form despite some slow starts out of the gate down there in the Big Easy. So having said all that, I think under is how you play this game. I'd stay far away from the side. Uh, I think eventually, like we talked about with Kansas City, the betting markets are going to catch up to the Saints. Not sure it's this week, but I think the better play is to go under the total. I got under 44. It looks like it's at 43 right now. Alex, how about you on Philly and New Orleans? I'm with you on the under here. I'm also leaning the Saints minus seven. I just don't see how the Eagles score very many points. This is probably the worst position you could put a rookie quarterback in. I don't know what the fuck Doug Peterson is thinking. I'm I'm very upset for Carson Wentz being benched like this. It's embarrassing when he has this much of a contract. I mean, they're giving him absolutely no help. These are like practice squad receivers that he's throwing right. to. They have the worst line in the NFL, granted due to injuries, but it's just inexcusable. What is Doug Peterson doing? Miles Sanders touched his ball 10 times last week. Let me ask you, as a non-Eagle fan, uh, you think Doug is on the way out? I don't just because of his past success. Like they've been to the playoffs three straight years. A year to fix it. It has to, but it shouldn't. I think he should be gone before Wentz gets the boot. I mean, that that Super Bowl, that only Philly Super Bowl, really carries so much weight. I mean, he looked like an offensive genius in those years. So, but. It's just inexcusable how little they use Miles Sanders. He's the best offensive oh, weapon on the team. Disgusting. He has 10 rushes last week. He has zero receptions. I just don't understand and how he's yards to carry. He's like second or third best in the league. It's just inexcusable how little they use him. This offense is its just so unimaginative. It's embarrassing. And everyone just piles on Wentz, but... The Eagles, they give up 4.4 sacks per game. No quarterback is going to step in and look good with that offensive line in shambles. But <laughs> with that being said, a little rant. I'm I'm with you on the <laughs> under. The Saints' defense is really strong. They're second in the league in defensive DVOA. Last three games, defense, they've allowed 28 points combined in those three games. They've looked really good. I feel like this is such a tough spot for a rookie quarterback to come in here with such a battered offensive line against a team that gets after the quarterback. I really think it could be a long day for Hurts. Maybe the mobility will help. But also, I'm looking at the weather in Philly. It looks like there could be 13-mile-per-hour winds around kickoff, which is never good for a passing game. They're going to keep the ball on the ground. They have to to protect this right. rookie quarterback. So I'm sure Peterson has heard all the criticism about Sanders' lack of usage. So they got to run the ball. And like you were saying, the Saints, that's their that's their bread and butter right now with Hill and obviously two strong backs. So I think the under is a really good play. This might be one of my favorite plays of the week here. Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you. And it's probably – I have to think just as far as, like, duration, like, total game time, this is going to be one of the faster games this week. It just feels like both teams are going to want to 
establish that ground attack. Certainly New Orleans, and gosh, you're making a quarterback change, so you better figure out how to supplement your your quarterback. Otherwise, Hurts is going to get killed too. Like it's, it's just not going to make any difference if you're the. He could be in trouble. The the Saints they're they're third in the NFL and they average three sacks per game. And like I was saying, right. Philadelphia has. I don't know if they're the worst offensive line, but they play like it. They yeah, got one sack the most in the NFL so far this season. Yeah. So, yeah, they have to establish a run if they just want to keep Hurts alive for the next game. Let's talk about another NFC East team, one that has a lot more positive things going for it, and that's the Washington football team traveling out west for the neutral site game as it's another game in Arizona that sees the San Francisco 49ers as the home team. San Francisco three-point home chalk, if you want to call it home. Total in this game of 43. And I tweeted this pick out earlier in the week. I took Washington plus the three and the hook. And I will be honest, like the spot concerns me a little bit. Third straight road game for the football team. And, uh, this is just the highest the stock has been all season on Washington, right? Now that they're in the final month of the season in what is turning into a two-horse race in the division for the two teams that we didn't think were going to be in the race with the Giants and the football team. So, you know, you never you never like buying stock at the top point of the market, which it seems like it's at right now with the football team. But I think in a – like the – third straight road game and like coming off the big win against the Steelers all that stuff first off the third straight road game I worry less about because of how much time Washington had in between the first two they played on Thanksgiving at Dallas and then they didn't play all again until the following Monday so a week and a half of rest before they had to go to Pittsburgh and then they go to Pittsburgh and win and I understand you could say all right now's when you sell you know everybody saw them beat Pittsburgh in that front end of the Monday Night Football doubleheader, but it is Ron Rivera who's the coach, right? A veteran coach who you'd expect is going to get his team regrouped and refocused and put this game behind them. He's obviously been in plenty of division races with the Carolina Panthers. Matter of fact, won a division under 500 in 2014, going 7-8-1 with Carolina. So, uh, you know, I think he'll probably have them focus, and I don't worry as much because it's a veteran head coach. And also, it's a quarterback. Like, this is these are just such great stories with the football team. Not only did Rivera have the cancer treatments, but Alex Smith, obviously, being on the field and playing and playing meaningful games, I think they all owe it to, to their quarterback and their head coach to give a great effort and to try and close this division out now. So I think you're still going to get a focused Washington team that's not going to be fat and happy off of the Steelers' win. And then let's look at San Francisco. Probably a dream crusher last week, right? Their playoff hopes probably out the window now that they lost that game against Buffalo. I know they've been battered and bruised with a lot of injuries. And so now playoff hopes kind of done. Still playing in Arizona, you know, so where their head's at, just finishing out this season, not even being able to be, you know, in Santa Clara County with their families. It's a weird situation for San Francisco that I would only want to bet on if they were still in the playoff hunt. I guess they're mathematically still alive now, but I just think that was kind of pretty much it for the Niners last week. I'll take the football team plus the three and a half. Uh, obviously not my favorite play of the week, but I do like them enough to bet them. 
Yeah, I grabbed this when you tweeted it out at three and a half. It looks like it's down to three now. I still really like Washington. I think they could win outright. San Francisco, they're not quite eliminated. They're five and seven, so they're in the wild card hunt, but they have a really tough path to get through there. I really like this Washington defense. Also, it's technically a home game. Not quite because they're playing in. Right. Kyle Shanahan, Road Dogs are 11 3 and 1 against spread against Shanahan. I don't I know. That. Yeah. I don't know what that is exactly. And they're also 7 and 8 straight up. I don't know if that speaks to just just not being quite prepared as a favorite and not in that underdog role. He really seems to coach better in that underdog role and really right. draws up things. Yeah, he just, just won a couple weeks ago as a seven-point dog outright against the Rams. Yeah, and that's probably where he was at his best, just trying to best right. the, another divisional foe. Just the offense is a little unimaginative with Nick Mullins. Mullins in eight games – he hasn't been great. He has thrown nine interceptions, and he's been sacked 13 times. And if anything, this Washington defense does best. It's rushing the passer. They average three sacks per game, which is third best in the NFL. And then the Niners, they allow 2.2 sacks per game. So this could be this could be very problematic for Mullins, who obviously isn't the best quarterback. This is their backup. So running him out there against a really strong Washington defense. I'm also looking at the under. I really like the under in this game. I just don't see how either team can move the ball that effectively. Washington looks like they're going to be without Antonio Gibson, their best running back, and really, really solid out of the backfield as well. But J.D. McKissick, he came in there last week against Pittsburgh. He, He looked good. He is wide open on so many plays. He had 10 receptions for 70 yards. He looked really good, but I just don't see how San Francisco can really move the bar. I like Debo Samuel and uh, Brandon Ayuk a lot. I just don't know how Nick Mullins is going to have enough time to to find them down the field at all. According to pro fo- football focus, uh, Washington, they rank third in the NFL with a 77.5 coverage grade. They're surprisingly really strong against the pass, despite losing their best defensive back, arguably Landon Collins or their safety. They just really play well. I think they feed off that rush with Sweat um, and Chase Young. They they look really good. And Gosh, yeah, that's one thing. As an Eagle fan, I'm thinking, so like, strong. Gosh, we got blocked these guys for a while because they're all young. Yeah, both of them. I, Sweat was uh, what, Alan last in the middle? year, and, and Young was Young was this year. Yeah, that's going to be a force for for years to come. That, God, even, that's I a mean, terrifying duo. He's been there a while, but Ryan Kerrigan is by no means old. No, he's still a very very solid solid playmaker. He's a situational pass rusher at this point, but right, he use him really well. He, yeah, he he's very strong. I think. I think Washington's... It just feels like they're going to suffocate Mullins. I mean, if they could do it to Ben, you know, yeah. then... Which is arguably a, a better offensive line. Although, no no pouncy last week for 
the Steelers. Sure. That, yeah. That's tough point. with such a strong interior rush there with, with Payne and Jonathan Allen. Just, right. just all those names that this Redskins defensive line is just so strong. That pass rush, I think that really makes the game. That's why I like and that's Washington. The thing, Alex, I think when we look at this NFC East, I know that these were the two long shots entering the year, but the Eagles and Cowboys really don't do anything well. And the Giants and the football team, both week in and week out, it feels like their defense has come to play. Yeah, absolutely. It's insane. You could have had pretty much, I think, any NFC East team at about 10-1 to 1 to win this division at some point in the year. Oh, I, either the Giants or the football team, they were beginning of the season up in the 20-25-1 to 1 area. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I took both. Uh, mid-season when it was looking like they were doing sure. better, and after yeah. the the DAC loss, the Cowboys what did you get price wise there. I got the Giants at seven to one, and I got Washington at ten to one. So okay, I'll take either, and You're both are good. Yeah. Like, yeah, that it's going to be one of the two. So yeah, I'll take work. my profits there. Let's go to prime time where we just mentioned the opponent last week for the Washington football team, and that being the Pittsburgh Steelers. They, they take their first loss against the football team at Heinz Field on Monday night. Now they travel to Western New York to take on the Buffalo Bills, and we're seeing Pittsburgh being installed as a short underdog in this game at one and a half, total in this game of 48. Alex, I was hoping Monday Night Football would go the other way, where we'd have the Steelers win and the Bills lose, because... This was setting up, I was hoping to get three with Buffalo because it was really setting up like a great spot for Buffalo in prime time to end the perfect season for the Steelers. But I got to be honest, now that the Steelers have already had that undefeated season over, I can't look to Buffalo here. This is Steelers or pass, and I think the better edge here, we talked about it as uh, before we hopped on. Only the third time this season that the Steelers have been an underdog, won both games obviously straight up against Baltimore the first time they played them and against Tennessee in a game that was kind of flipping favorite dog, favorite dog all week for the, the uh, you know, the Steelers. That game was hanging around Pickham all week, but Pittsburgh ultimately went off as a short dog in that game. And here they are as a short dog here. And I, I just think the better play is to use the Steelers in a teaser leg as well, because this is probably the last chance that you're going to have on the Steelers in this kind of a teaser where you can tease them up through three and seven as a dog and just bank on them to keep the game close. I know they don't have Devin Bush on defense and Bud Dupree, but I still have to think the defense is going to be able to do enough here against Josh Allen and company to where this game stays competitive. Obviously, anytime you're talking about, uh, you know, a game being decided by more than a touchdown, it's because an explosive offense can't be kept under wraps. And we saw on Monday Night Football – San Francisco's defense really struggle against this Buffalo offense. Buffalo has kind of flipped scripts a little as far as its team, right? Last year, they were a lot of defense, not the best of offenses. Enter Stephon Diggs. I don't know what's going on on the defensive side of the ball for Buffalo, but the offense all of a sudden is very explosive. And Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, somebody we're going to hear in head coaching jobs uh, probably pretty soon when the interviews start circulating. Having said all of that, I do think that the Pittsburgh defense will still be able to do enough to keep Buffalo in the 20s here, which makes me think that Pittsburgh in that teaser window that we're really not getting many times this year with Pittsburgh is, is, is worthwhile. I mentioned all the way back in the beginning of the pod, 
I'm going to tease the Titans down to a uh, one-and-a-half-point favorite against Jacksonville. I'm going to tease the Titans to the Steelers and get ten, get Pittsburgh up around. I think I got seven-and-a-half. I got eight-and-a-half on Pittsburgh. So uh, that's a teaser that I'll be playing. I think this game's ultimately a one-possession game either way. Uh, and so that, that teaser with the dog makes sense. Yeah, I was looking at the Steelers' money line initially. I think this is a great bounce-back spot, but all the defensive injuries are really concerning. It looks like Spillane isn't going to play. That's their middle linebacker. He was the play caller there. He went down with a knee injury against Washington. Vince Williams is now on the COVID list. That's another linebacker down. Like you mentioned, Bud Dupree, that's just a brutal loss. I still think the Stewart's pass rush can really get after Allen, and Allen is just so inconsistent. He's been playing really well this season compared to last. Right, let's not forget this was the guy against Kansas City and the Jets there in October that looked like an average starting quarterback, and that (laughs) might be being nice. Yeah, and not to mention last year against the Texans in the playoffs where he's just fucking giving the ball up left and right. Like He still has those tendencies. You know, He's trying to do too much, but – Diggs really has stretched this offense. They look great. Diggs stretches the field, and then you have Beasley coming under. I mean, what an incredible game by Beasley against the Niners. I think that was career highs and pretty much everything for him. So I think the teaser is the best option here. I I teased the Steelers with the Vikings. I got Steelers 7.5 and then the Vikings 12.5. I think both could keep it within the number. I think the Steelers' offense has enough to win outright here, but I'm not quite comfortable enough playing that with all the defensive injuries. That makes me really worried. Yeah, I I would agree that the teaser window is probably the better way to look on this one. Let's wrap up Monday Night Football in the AFC North. We have a massive showdown here between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. We're seeing Baltimore... Uh, being installed as short road chalk in this one. Looks like two, two and a half mostly for the Ravens. Total in this game of 47. Uh, And Alex, I know that Cleveland just had a very impressive game against the Tennessee Titans, but I would slow the roll a little bit because I talked about it, and yes, I did lose. I bet the Titans last week. I would slow the roll to a degree because – this is a Titans team that, or excuse me, a Browns team that prior to that Titans win, their best win was the Colts, and that was a game that Philip Rivers turned the ball over a bunch in. So they were a negative twenty some point differential entering last week. So it was kind of a phony team to a degree. And yes, they do look very good. That was by far the best game the Browns have played all year, uh, and the offense was humming on all cylinders last week with Baker Mayfield. Uh, having said that, this feels like a nice opportunity for the Ravens to just kind of remind everybody who's boss here. I mean, let's not forget it was a long time ago, but in week one, uh, and, uh, just a bludgeoning of the Browns, 38-6, to six, uh, that the Ravens uh, buried the Browns in. So, you know, that game did happen, and, uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of people are kind of forgetting it here. Uh, certainly not the oddsmakers, though. I mean, I, I agree with the line is what I'm saying and that Baltimore being the short road chalk, despite Cleveland having a lot of success recently, I think is warranted because I think we're going to see Baltimore and John Harbaugh kind of 
start to peak here, right? I mean, this was a Ravens team that I didn't want a lot of early in the season, uh, but I'm more inclined here because, remember, John Harbaugh, I know it wasn't with Lamar Jackson, but he's he's pretty good in this kind of under-the-radar, like, wild-card-y type team where the expectations maybe aren't as high. I mean, still expect, I think, we would expect Baltimore to make the playoffs. But remember all those years with Flacco, this was kind of the spot that John Harbaugh and company always thrived in. They, they were kind of that wild-card type team that, or maybe they won the North, but you never looked at them as a serious Super Bowl contender entering the playoffs. And then all they did was win these games on the road in December and January. And the next thing you knew, there were the Ravens in the divisional round, in the championship game, in the Super Bowl. I think that's what we're going to start to see here to a degree. Uh, and I think prime time, Baker Mayfield, I think you get bad Baker this week. I'll lay the short number. I'll take Baltimore on the road. Yeah, I think this is great. Buy low, sell high. The Browns are coming off an incredible win, probably their their biggest win of the season. And I think the Ravens will have some momentum and, you know, a full week of Jackson actually practicing. He – he just got off the COVID list there on Monday, and then they they played, and he, he looked solid and played pretty well in the passing game. Not great, but, yeah, I think the Baltimore Ravens are one of the better bets, better future bets right now. I think they're definitely going to make the playoffs. They have a pretty solid schedule. If they can be exploited, the Cleveland defense, it's through the passing game, so can Lamar Jackson do that? Cleveland ranks... 23rd in the NFL, they give up 256.9 passing yards per game. That passing game of the year was that week one game against Cleveland. He threw for 275. That was. That was easily his best passing game. And the Browns, they're solid against the run. I could see them selling out, which might lend for some play action passes, some run option passes. And I could see Lamar having a pretty solid game. I, I think the Ravens will bounce back here and cover this number comfortably. So some consensus action for Monday Night Football from your boys on the Baltimore Ravens, the short road divisional favorite. Alex Uplinger, find him managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod and give him a follow on his personal account at Alex underscore up seven. Alex, always fun. We'll do it again next week. Yeah, sounds good. Good luck this week, Greg. Thank you to you as well. You can find me and all of my picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. And, of course, as I said, follow the podcast at full underscore slate underscore pod. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Thank you all for listening. And, of course, please play responsibly.